Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, it's Claire. We want your opinion on Money Clinic and you could get your hands on £250. We want to know what you the listeners think about the podcast. In particular, what areas of your financial lives you'd like me and the experts to help you with in our next season. Go to ft.com slash moneyclinicsurvey. That's ft.com slash moneyclinicsurvey. Spend a few minutes telling us what you think and you could be in with a chance of winning that £250 prize money. But hurry, the deadline is Sunday, May 16th. You don't have to look far in today's world to find debt. On the news, we're always hearing about it. In fact, during the pandemic, UK government borrowing has hit levels not seen since the Second World War. And debt levels are rising around the world. But given just how low interest rates are, that's not seen as a dire problem. But what about the personal debt we deal with on a daily basis? From mortgages to student loans, every credit card, every phone contract and every Klarna payment. But for some people, it can be crippling and destructive. Peter, my guest on Money Clinic today, wants to know why so many personal finance experts think debt in any form is always a bad thing. There's a lot of talk I'd say on the podcast about removing debt, people consolidating their debt and making sure they're paying it off. Instead, Peter thinks he could use debt to build his wealth by borrowing against the value of his biggest asset. He's lucky to own a London home that he shares with his wife. I'm about to remortgage. Is it a bad idea to increase my mortgage and use that extra capital to invest in a buy-to-let or a stocks and shares ISA? With interest rates so low, Peter is tempted to invest any extra money he could be able to borrow. If you have a bigger pot of money to get returns on, your ultimate end returns will be higher than that of a smaller pot of money. So if you need to take on debt to to do that, why wouldn't you? Am I completely barking mad? Well, let's just say this is a divisive issue. And today's podcast experts certainly have a lot to say for Peter and listeners to consider. Remember, there's a saying in the Bible, and I say this as a committed atheist, The borrower is a slave to the lender. I believe that with all my heart. I'm certainly not paying down my mortgage early. So, so, you know, I sort of get the point, but he's kind of going to the opposite extreme. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times dedicated to tackling real-life financial issues. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. Okay, I'm going to start today's podcast with a health warning. 
Obviously, what Peter is considering is massively risky. But with mortgage rates at such low levels, I can understand why he and listeners might be tempted to think about the possibilities of what they could do if they borrowed more. On the show today, we're going to explore what could happen if you use debt to fund other investments and how much of a risk is too great a risk. Now, 32-year-old accountant Peter is not financially reckless. He likes to keep a firm handle on his finances. I, since a podcast of yours about two years ago, have become incredibly anal with um, a weekly balance sheet with all sorts of things on it that I produce for the households, everything from current assets to bad debt. Yorkshire born and bred, when he moved down south, the prospect of paying high London rent spurred him and his wife to buy their West London flat six years ago. We were very lucky in a a sizable donation from Bank of Mum and Dad, which prompted us. Since then, house prices have risen sharply, meaning Peter and his wife have a lot of equity in their home. Their mortgage deal is up for renewal, and Peter has what some might call unconventional ideas about what he could do if he borrowed some of that money back. My big thoughts at the moment, mortgage is generally the cheapest debt you'll ever have access to outside of interest-free credit cards. So if I can increase my loan to value on the flat that we own, and I can take that money and invest it in stocks and shares ISAs, even put it in the pension and get some tax benefits, maybe a buy-to-let, that kind of thing, I would be, and this might be an indication of my risk profile, if you like, but I'd be comfortable that I could get a return that's above the 1.4-1.5% I'd be paying on the mortgage. Essentially, Peter wants to leverage up, using the couple's mortgage loan as a form of cheap finance that he could then invest to increase his personal asset base, either through buying a rental property in the north of England where prices are cheaper, or by investing money in the stock market. If you look at a company, if they didn't have any debt, you'd think it was a bit odd. It's almost seen as a good thing. And as long as I feel I'm tracking that debt and that I can cover it if I need to, then I'm reasonably happy with it there. Peter's job as an accountant means he's a whiz with spreadsheets. He's looking to treat his personal finances more like business finances, something he has already been experimenting with by using his interest-free credit cards to buy a car, rather than the more usual route of higher purchase through a personal contract plan or PCP. Rather than do a PCP or take a bank loan out, I would do that on an interest-free credit card with the trade-in and just make sure I pay that off before it incurs any charges because obviously that's cheaper debt than a bank loan or a PCP agreement. If I spend something now and have to pay that same amount back in two years, it's worth less. A word of caution. Just in case you're about to switch off the podcast and immediately take out a bunch of credit cards, let me stress that Peter is approaching debt from a position of relative financial security. Personal debt is a very real source of stress and getting out of a debt cycle can be extremely difficult for many people. There's a link to our recent episode, Starting Your Debt-Free Journey, in today's show notes. Now back to Peter and his remortgaging plans. How much money is he looking at taking out? So it would be fifty, seventy thousand pounds, something like that. And have you discussed this with your partner, presumably? 
Not yet, no. (laughs) (laughs) Your parents helped you out with the deposit to buy your home. So in some senses, you'd be borrowing against their money. I mean, is that a conversation that you're going to have with them? No, I wouldn't tell them about it because they they would worry that something would go wrong. And they're very risk averse as well. As I chatted more to Peter, this wasn't the only thing that set alarm bells ringing. Every part of my sensible FT being was screaming, this is a horrific risk. But on the other hand, most people can't buy a property without borrowing money. Plenty borrow money to buy a bigger home, finance rental properties, or even start their own business. We are all taking a degree of risk. But at what point does a calculated risk tip over into dangerous territory? Peter, however, seemed pretty confident that the odds outweighed the risks. All the risks of um, property prices decreasing or it sitting vacant. Um, Yes, I have thought about that. Investing money in a stocks and shares ISA is a much riskier prospect and one that no mortgage lender would willingly finance. Yet Peter, who's been getting into investing under lockdown, views those risks as being pretty manageable. I think the evidence would say that the stock market has generally returned above 1.4%, for example, which would leave me with a fair confidence that if we were to take money out of the mortgage to put into a stocks and shares ISA, that over the kind of medium term, we would be better off. We'll find out shortly what the experts think of Peter's number crunching. But first, what questions does he have for them? Why are people against taking on debt when with things like mortgages and the way companies operate, you can see that there are very good reasons and uses to take on debt? Second, borrowing against his property to grow his wealth. Why would you want to pay off your mortgage early rather than invest that extra money and hope for a better return than you're paying on your mortgage interest rate? Is it a bad idea to increase my mortgage and use that extra capital to invest in a buy-to-let or a stocks and shares ISA? Finally, those interest-free credit cards. Why would I not use interest-free credit cards providing I do it in a stable and safe way and could pay them off if I needed to? Well, some of you may indeed think Peter's questions are high risk. My first expert, Jason Butler, often hears people asking the same questions as Peter. Jason's a financial advisor, author and FT columnist. Well, it's one of the top five questions I get asked in my live financial wellbeing webinars, and I do these every week. I played Jason some clips from my conversation with Peter to see what he thought. I mean, let's just be clear. You can't fault the chap's heart and his desire to build wealth. But what I hear is an intellectually rational argument for using debt to shortcut the route to building wealth, okay? On paper, it all makes sense. Of course it does. And logically, you're absolutely right. If you can borrow money for nothing and you can go and get a higher return over here, you're going to make more money. But what I don't get from him is the reality of what can go wrong in life. Let's just spell that out. It's really important to understand if Peter's debt calculations were to go wrong, that fallout would also be shouldered by his wife. As it stands, he hasn't shared his plans with her And as Jason agrees, these are conversations they need to have together. You have to be on the same page with your partner when it comes to money and the role it plays in your future life. 
If you aren't, it's a recipe for disaster. The danger is, is if and when something goes wrong, if your partner was not a participant, a willing participant in the thing, they're not going to be as supportive when the proverbial hits the fan. Now let's think through the practicality. So you said you think Peter's trying to shortcut his way to wealth by borrowing money. What are the main risks to him if he does that? Well, leverage or borrowing is one way to shortcut your way to wealth, um, but it's fraught with dangers and pitfalls. And the problem when you're young is that, in the same in the case of your reader here, he's never experienced a recession, a property crash, a prolonged stock market fall or rising interest rate. Jason says that with a high percentage of your income given over to debt repayments, your vulnerability to any unexpected change in circumstances is massively increased. If you start paying out more than a quarter of your net household income on mortgages, loans, whatever, then it's very difficult to start building more wealth to build more assets. And you are very vulnerable to shocks in interest rates or drops in income. You with me? And, and again, it soaks up a lot of your surplus. If stock markets or house prices fall, those who have borrowed to invest have a lot more to lose. The problem you've got there is you're compounding your losses because leverage, not only does it help you on the way up, but it certainly compounds your pain on the way down. Mm. Now, what about Peter's question about why there's so much emphasis on paying off debts? The short answer is security. Above all, the most important thing in your life, the place you live in. Playing devil's advocate, Jason wondered if Peter would consider selling the flat where he and his wife live, investing the money and then renting a place to live instead. I'd be much happier with that. But whether his wife or his parents would be as keen on that and whether that would give them security of tenure, which is one of the reasons why I counsel buying your home in the long run and paying off the mortgage quickly, okay, not because it's the best mathematical return, but because it gives you the quickest financial peace and it removes payments. The quicker you can get rid of payments, the more quicker you can direct that into building real estate portfolio, building property investment, building an investment portfolio, putting money in your pension. I wonder how this scenario will go down with Peter. But if his ultimate goal is to build long-term wealth, what does Jason think he should be doing? I would be focusing on growing my income aggressively, okay? Because if you grow your income, you can do loads of things. From Peter's perspective, using cheap debt could be one way of growing his income rather than just earning more. I think it's safe to say that Jason firmly disagrees. Get rid of these interest-free credit cards. It's an illusion. It affects your affordability. You're living in fantasy land. Get in the real world with your own cash. You know, these banks and building societies and credit card companies and loan companies are not your friends, right? You aren't being clever by using their products, okay? If, if you have to because you're in a hole, fair enough, right? But other than that, it is a fantasy to think that, that debt is your way forward. The reality is when you're borrowing money, you are trying to buy something, whether it's consumption or an investment, that you cannot afford at the moment. And that is a recipe for disaster. One of the reasons Jason feels so strongly about this, he learned the hard way because a recession in the early 1990s hit house prices hard. In 1989, I bought a one-bedroom flat in South East London, which was up for 66000 I offered 62000 thought I was Mr Clever, had a £58,000 mortgage on it. Five years later... I sold that flat for £46,000 and had to pay £12,000 for the privilege just to get out of it. 
I'll be doing an Instagram Live on Tuesday the 18th of May at 7.30pm UK time with Jason Butler discussing the issues raised on this episode. So if you would like to take part in that and ask us questions, then follow me on Instagram, I'm at Claire B, or follow Jason at JB the Wealth Man for how to take part. For a different perspective on debt, I turn to my second expert, Martin Sambu, the FT's European economics commentator, who looks at debt on a global and historical scale. Every major religion and moral tradition is really a downer on debt. You see these prohibitions on debt and requirements for debt restructuring going back 5,000 years. That tells you that there's something very deep here in the human experience that tells us debt can be risky. In his career commentating on financial markets, Martin knows that dealing with the fallout from debt can be very difficult. What we see in crises is that debt is a particularly socially pernicious form of financing compared to equity, because if things go wrong, there may not be enough income out there to pay back all the debts that have been racked up. So some promises have to be broken. That's a legal nightmare. It's a social nightmare. It really involves a political process of deciding who's not going to get what they were promised. And that's why debt crises tend to be so difficult to get out of. So why are the risks of people, people like Peter, taking on more debt, more dangerous for financial systems to bear? Well, if if you mean people rather than corporations and banks and governments, I don't know if it's necessarily more dangerous in itself. I mean, even banks often borrow too much and put it into the wrong investments, as we've seen over and over again. You know, people can make those mistakes too. And if they do, you know, it's a greater personal tragedy for an individual to go into personal bankruptcy and not be able to service their, their debts. And that's a bad thing. So that's the risk. Do they really know what they're getting themselves into? Of course, this is exactly the kind of worst case scenario that financial regulators want to protect us all from. Time for a reality check. How likely is it that Peter's bank will lend him that extra mortgage money when they find out his plans for it? I think we're still at a time where regulators remember very well the previous financial crisis. So mm. presumably if Peter or somebody like him goes to the bank, they will, be, they will be facing a lot of questions about what they want to put the money in. And the bank will then assess whether they think that's it's safe to lend money for that purpose because the regulators are on the bank's back uh, to make sure that they don't take excessive risks. I called up mortgage broker Habito to see what they thought about Peter's chances. No matter how much you might think your house is currently worth, most lenders are ultra-cautious right now as they're wary of house prices falling back in the short term. So Peter might not be able to secure as much cash as he thinks. If Peter wants to borrow to finance the purchase of a rental property, that's not impossible, but lenders are unlikely to advance any cash until he's identified a specific property, obtained evidence of what rent could be charged, and how he'll finance the rest of the purchase. And as for borrowing to invest in the stock market, as I alluded earlier, no mortgage lender would ever say yes knowingly to that. They might say yes to borrowing to fund building work, as this could increase the value of your property, but they'll want to see planning permission and quotes for the works. And increasingly, banks are letting people remortgage to pay off other forms of high-interest debt. 
a lifeline for some, it could nevertheless add years to the life of your loan and potentially thousands of pounds in interest. So where does this leave Peter? Martin says that in order to prepare as best as you can for taking on any form of debt, you should stress test your capacity to repay it. Banks now are stress tested by regulators. You should really stress test yourself as well when you make these these choices. If your current mortgage, you can service it as a very, very small part of your income and you can afford that cost doubling or tripling or quadrupling, well, then you're probably fine. If a doubling of your debt service costs would cause you real hardship, then you want to be cautious. Another key point, think about how liquid the assets you were investing in really are. If something does go wrong, such as losing your job, how quickly could you get your cash out of them? If you borrow up to the hilt and you put all that money into a buy-to-let house, you will not quickly be able to sell that house or get liquid cash off that house, especially if we're in an economic crisis where house prices are falling, which could happen. What if you suddenly need to, to have ten, twenty thousand pounds at the ready? Could you do that? Or are you so leveraged and so much invested into illiquid investments that you have no way out if things suddenly change? However, risk tolerance is a very personal thing. When Martin and I thought about our own finances, it's fair to say we are actually applying some of the same logic that Peter is thinking about, but with far less risk, we hope anyway. I'm certainly not paying down my mortgage early, right? I'm paying the the, the, the shrinking <laughs> monthly payments. Well, to an extent, I'm doing the same. I mean, I've paid off a big chunk of my mortgage and now I'm being charged less than 1% interest. So rather than pay it off completely, I'm making much larger pension payments instead as there are massive tax advantages. And I know I can afford to lock up that money for the long term. I mean, increasing his pension is another path that Peace is considering, I know. You know, I sort of get the point, but he's kind of going to the opposite extreme, right? Libring up rather than just not paying down any more than you have to. So, people's attitudes towards taking on debt vary hugely, but I hope the experts have provided some good tips for working out how the risks of borrowing could play out on your own personal balance sheet. And don't forget, even if lenders are prepared to let you borrow using credit cards or by topping up your mortgage, it doesn't mean that you should say yes. But what did Peter think of what the experts had to say? I think perhaps they may have misinterpreted the level of risk I was looking to take on. I think Jason's view is quite one-sided. I think he's put up a pretty good argument that paying down debt, the advantage of it, even if interest rates are really low, Mm. is that it will buy you security. That was his essential Mm. argument. I think my counter to that would be, and as I said on the the first call, if I am to buy something on an interest-free credit card, I would always ensure I had that cash. So his sort of comment around buying something you can't afford, that's not what I was talking about. It's about doing it in a safe and sensible manner understanding the risks and realizing that if there is an interest-free opportunity I still believe it makes sense to take that and have the cash and pay it off when you need to. Now if you do borrow against the value of your home listening to what we found out from the experts are you prepared for all of the questions your lender is going to ask? 
Yeah, I, I guess that's caught me out as being quite naive. I wasn't aware that it would be such a strict process to go through in order to borrow more against our home. So, yeah, absolutely. That probably stops the more risky option that I called up to talk about. Martin Sambu, my colleague at the FT, so both he and I have made quite big inroads into our mortgages. So we're prioritising putting more money into our pensions because we get 40% tax relief. Now, that's a similar school of thought to a lot of the thoughts that you're having. I just wondered what you made of all that. Yeah, I thought Martin's comments were really interesting around paying off the minimum and 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 then putting it into the pension. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's certainly a, a really good option. I think the one thing I would say about that is it came across as very black and white as to paying the minimum or overpaying. Whereas I think it's just slightly more grey than that in terms of risk profile as paying the minimum to underpaying almost. Now, Peter, if your long-term goal is building wealth, do you think that you'll still be pursuing that goal in the same way? Has coming on the podcast made you think anything differently about your approach? It certainly has. I think some of my riskier ideas, which I was aware were probably uh, <laughs> slightly too far, um, it certainly put those to the back of my mind. Um, and it's definitely given me a few extra things to consider if I were to explore any of these avenues, um, probably put some more stringent stress testing on some of my modeling. These what if type questions, you're very sensible to ask them before you act and do anything. So there's absolutely no harm in saying, well, could I do this or should I borrow to invest? It's working through the consequences of these money decisions before we make them. I think that's the, the really key thing that I've taken from our time together. But I've got one last question for you, which is, are you going to tell your wife about any of this? <laughs> Absolutely. I've already given her a debrief on what was discussed on the last one. The only reason I hadn't spoken to my wife about this before we first spoke was it was at such an early stage and really just blue sky thinking rather than doing anything definitive towards putting any of these actions into place. Believe it or not, despite the ideas that I've come forward with, I am very risk averse in terms of finance. So she's very trusting. She knows that I won't act without her consent. That's it for Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, spread the word, leave us a review. Plus, don't forget, you could win £250 by filling out our survey. The link is in the show notes. And if you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show, then email me. Our address is money at ft.com. You could also take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money, grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper, or follow me on Instagram at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced in London by Josh de la Mare and Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner, and the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, just to say it once more, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's a small print over and done with. See you back here next week. Goodbye.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.